You're listening to Freestyle Flavor. I'm your host, Chef Tarsha. Welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, stay tuned for my conversation with Carmen Romeo. Joining us live from Waterbury, Connecticut, we'll talk about his role as president of Fasha's Chocolates, Inc., one of the oldest operating chocolatiers in New England. And I'll ask him, how will his leadership affect the legacy of Fasha's? You've got style flavor. Put your listening ears on. Stay close. I'll be right back. Talk a little bit about Fasha's first. There's my mother and father-in-law, John and Helen Fasha, in the early days of the business. Now they're here many days. My father-in-law will turn 88 next week, and he's here almost every day. My mother-in-law, she spends less time here, but still a lot at 84 years old, okay? Now, my wife and her two sisters grew up letting strangers into the basement to buy chocolates. And uh, they were there for 14 years in their basement, making and selling chocolate, after which they finally moved and got a little retail store while still making in their basement, and they were selling a little retail store for another seven years. So it took 21 years for this business to become something that my mother and father-in-law could live on. My father-in-law was working full-time in a factory this whole time, nights and weekends at the chocolate shop. We make fudge, and our fudge is a boardwalk-style fudge. We don't keep fudge here most of the year mm -hmm. because we don't go through it fast enough. We have an internal debate going on in the family about changing the style of fudge we make. But it's here's the debate. We think we make the best fudge you can possibly make. Of course. <laughs> and a lot of people think that when they eat it. You've got Freestyle Flavor, a podcast cookumentary highlighting all things food. Stay posted for my conversations with cooks, educators, farmers, ranchers, and regular folks talking about the flavors we all love. We'll learn so much about where our food is coming from, recipe profiles, ingredients, and fanfare tasty fanfare stay posted our next episode is coming up now i'm here live at fascia's chocolates in waterbury connecticut with carmen romeo mm -hmm. yes and carmen uh what is your role in this in this operation well, it's been changing. I am the president, and I always say son-in-law, and now I am finally getting to the point to run the business and delegate and keep everything on track in the right direction. For when I joined, I was literally everything for a long time. Every piece of chocolate, I made every batch with help, yes. but um, 
I, I shipped it, I packed it, I did a lot of other stuff with help. And now, finally, we are getting to the point with a staff that is highly capable that my job, I am the you know, chief uh, face of the business. Mm -hmm. I'm out publicly because I join, I'm on a bunch of boards. I serve a bunch of boards. I do a lot of these tastings and, right. you know, beer, wine, chocolate pairings out at vineyards, out on at other venues, you know, the trains and things like that. So I become the face of the business. I am the chief educator, right? This is the thing. And then on the back end, I do the accounting and all that stuff. Just everything. I do do everything, and I can do it. That's probably the one thing. We're, we're actually going through a system right now, very boring, but it's, you know, scheduling system. And mm -hmm. it's you have to have the skill. You have to say, for this shift or this job, who is qualified? Right. So I went through a little matrix of every single employee and the very areas that they're qualified for. And I actually qualified for every single facet of the business but one. I don't consider myself a baker. So I am not capable of baking okay. the products that we make. We make coconut. We have a bakery license. We have okay. a frozen dessert license. Okay. And we have coconut macaroons. We have some other mm -hmm. uh, lava cakes and flowers, tort cakes and things that we make. And I've never made any of those. So that's the only one part of the business. The next most complete person is my sister-in-law, who is the baker. Yeah. But she cannot do most of the business stuff that I do. Well, I am specialized, trained as a pastry chef All right. and so you're, master baker. So okay. I'm across the board on this. But so I, did I get everything right? We yeah. Did a little, we did a little education session. Absolutely. <laughs> I think you did give a lot more information than people really are aware of. Right. Or can actually comprehend, but... You know. I think it's important, too. This is something good to get when you come to. A lot of times people don't even think that they're going to know, find out about banana leaves, as the guy <laughs> pointed out, yeah. and how there's a real process to getting to this point. Absolutely. And, it's, and it comes across transatlantic, you know. Yeah. Um, but what I'm pointing out about you doing everything is this is part of what is the food phenomenon, right? The success, the pass or fail. Mm -hmm. The leader does know everything mm -hmm. and you have to be the expert mm -hmm. uh, for longevity mm -hmm. uh, that's the way you can implement a powerful team uh, if you don't know what sure. you're doing yeah so as your background I mean when you have uh, somebody with a great idea to be a restaurateur and they're just the business side those can fail exactly right right it's critical back to the chef side of it and um, the other way is some great chefs can't make it in business because they don't know the business side. That's right. That's and, right. And, and I do something I call circles and squares. Circles are tasks that you can master. Mm -hmm. A business is a square. As much as you can master, put a bunch of circles in a square, and what do you get? A lot of space in between them all. Mm -hmm. Think of that visually, right? Even one big circle and one a square, there's always corners. And that's the magic of being able to put it all together. Mm -hmm. Just be the, look inside the, run all the squares and look in those spaces. Because you know what? There's not one, nobody here picks up garbage in the parking lot except for me. Right. And that's the whole thing. And they don't, it's never been assigned oh, even, anybody. look at it. And they might just drive right by it. But I'm the only one, first thing in the morning when nobody else is here, who walks the parking lot and picks up the garbage. Yeah. Yeah, I don't uh, realize it's a job. Exactly, <laughs> and and that it also has an impact on this business. Sure. Yeah. Uh, tell me, what is your first food memory? 
your first food? My first food memory, wow. Hmm. Probably growing up in an Italian household and, you know, the meatballs cooking on the stove, coming home from church on a Sunday. Uh, the Sunday meal is going to happen at noontime or 1 o'clock, but stealing a meatball out of the pot <laughs> and eating it kind of as my, you know, appetizer before. So that's probably one of my earliest memories. What about cooking? Cooking. Um, yeah. Yeah, cooking with my dad. My dad, my mom worked. Uh, my mom was a hairdresser. Okay. So she worked on a Friday night and all day Saturday while growing up with four kids. And my dad would be kind of the short order chef for breakfast on a Saturday morning and maybe learning how to make eggs. Yeah. Scramble eggs. I wouldn't eat a fried egg or over easy forever mm-hmm. until I got a little older. It was always a scrambled egg. Okay. Maybe that was something like that. Okay. Yeah. And uh, for the meatballs, the the, the, the Sunday gravy. Yeah. Um, have you mastered making a Sunday gravy now? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. My kids can't comprehend it because my wife is such a good cook. Uh, we have half Lebanese and half Italian, and my okay. wife just absolutely loves cooking yeah. and has, you know, got her own style, but has taken it from both her mom and my mom. So I haven't, my kids, who are now 25, 24 and 23, I don't know if they've seen me cook a meal. Okay. So they don't think I can. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, as a bachelor, I, I, I did a decent job cooking. Yeah. You know. I mean, I don't consider myself a chef by any means, but when I come at it from a, uh, you know, menu, chocolate manufacturing standpoint, I still have it. And what's your favorite food to eat? My favorite? Oh, I am so basic. How about pe- Italian peasant food? I should take a charcuterie over. I'll take meats and cheeses. Good salami. And, yeah, give me my prosciutto, give me my salami, <laughs> my gabagol, if you say it that way, and some good cheeses. That's actually my comfort food. Talked about the wine and beer yeah. and food pairings with the chocolate. Is that something that you brainstormed uh, in order to integrate your business? or So what? it kind of came from you know, uh, liking beer and wine and bourbons and scotches and things and and just having it at the very beginning. But then really with some, like there was a, there's a local beer aficionado. He writes a little article for the news, local newspaper and I happen to know him and we concocted a wine, a beer and chocolate pairing. And, and I learned from some wine sommeliers, really great, that middle taste that I don't have. Right. My wife has got a phenomenal palate. If she liked alcohol, yeah. uh, she would be a phenomenal person doing this. Mm-hmm. I don't have that middle palate that a lot of wonderful chefs have. Mm-hmm. I do have a lot of that finished taste <clears throat> and texture, which is really important. So I actually am pretty good at texture. Yeah. So I get the pairings right. When I do them, I get a lot of nods and a lot of people, you know, but but that came from train as much training as right. uh, in trial and error mm-hmm. as anything. Mm-hmm. What's the operation in terms of employees here? How many employees? You so have? I mentioned we have thirty seven employees. We have eight full time employees. Um, about fifteen or so, twenty, if I call them regular part time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a whole slew of youngsters and it's kind of funny. A good portion of our workforce are college and younger. Mm-hmm. Or retired and yeah. older. We have retired nurse, retired 
is teacher, retired cop. We have all right. of that here. Right. It's yeah. great. I mean, you know, people, people that have a passion, they have a, some sort of a passion. They want to work in a friendly environment. It's not an easy job. We have a lot of our jobs are standing, mm -hmm. um, but it's we try to make it fun, fun we, and, you know. and hospitable on the front end. Yes. Well, yeah. you have customers. Customers you have to deal with. We yeah. love them. Some of them can be tough. Yeah. Uh, but no, on a, on a holiday like a Valentine's Day, our three busiest days of the year are Valentine's Day. This is going to be my next question. So it's crazy. It's long hours, lines of people. Uh, we do 75% of our business in about half the year. Mm -hmm. And uh, the holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, are the largest chunk of that. It's somewhere in the 35% range. Mm -hmm. And then about 20% each for Valentine's and Easter. Uh, so that gets you the 75, and it's a very general. Uh, so this is the time of year. We're in July now, and you know we're kind of buckling in for the lean part of the year. Um, we do have the events that keep us going, the trains that come in, um, hopefully corporate. We, we try to grow our corporate. And our wholesale is actually what has grown. We are now in over 100 locations that sell our chocolate um, package, meaning we'll go to grocery stores and higher-end food markets and uh, grocer, mostly grocers, but farm stands. Um, and that's a, is that a chocolate bar? Or is no, that it's they... usually our whole line. We have a very interesting line of chocolate we call a treat. Okay. And they are hanging treats and with headers. Yeah. Very clear packaging, and that's our main. That was our my brainstorm, our main focus, because I wanted people to see the product. There's not it. very many companies you can buy packaged, higher end products in snack size packaging. Right. Exactly. Not a lot that you could do that with. That's right. Yeah. I wanted to ask about um, the availability for people around the country. Are you shipping? Uh, how can people get so this chocolate? So we do ship across the country. Okay. Um, winter, summer months make it a little tougher, but we're able to, with a two-day two ice package, we try to mm -hmm. keep it economical. We don't have the buying power that some of the other big names do. Mm -hmm. So we have to pay whatever the UPS, post office, or FedEx is charging. But we do get it around the country. I can say we definitely get to every state in the country, including Hawaii. We have is a, there a minimum? There is no minimum. But yeah. again, it's one of those, you know, how much is the shipping versus the product? Sure. We're pretty good about getting it everywhere. And, you know, we can't help it if somebody, if the chocolate's delivered in good condition, but left outside for right. the afternoon. We yeah. can't. And so we do. I can't say we're without incident. Yeah. But yes. in general, we do a pretty good job. I mean, we've, we've had corporate mailings that have gone out. Mm -hmm. Where we've sent something on behalf of the corporation, nonprofit. We did one nonprofit not that long ago that was all over the country, and you know they little tokens of of, of thank you, right. and we were man we managed to get it everywhere that needed, and we we're like weather people though we're watching the, oh, the, the weather in Florida and Texas and Southern California. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if someone wants to get their branded bar of mm -hmm. chocolate medallion coin yeah. what have you is that something that you would absolutely do very, what do you need to do to do that so it's a very simple process if we're going to mold chocolates then all we need is a electronic black and white image mm -hmm. and i send it out to a, a a gentleman a very small company but there's half a dozen companies i can go to but i have my favorite <clears throat> 
because he's very quick mm -hmm. and relatively inexpensive. It costs $225 to get a polycarbonate mold made. That's just the first five. If it's a larger customer, I'm the one who buys 10, 20, 50, depending mm -hmm. on how many. They shouldn't be penalized for uh, having a bigger order. So I make that decision. Okay. But it's in a, basically a 10-day process. Mm -hmm. Now, it's how you're going to package that special logo. Yeah. And you said in like a medallion or a coin, <clears throat> and I have those and I've done those, are our, one of our most popular methods is actually a business card size piece of chocolate okay. because I have packaging ways of packaging it, whether it's all by itself or in a box of chocolate. One of our most popular items is I have created trays for assorted chocolates, but right in the center goes a business card size piece of chocolate. But that same piece can be used individually because there are boxes made for it. Mm -hmm. There are uh, other ways. Uh, we have a whole display in our front foyer there that uh, that gives people a way to do it. So and folks can contact you. They can contact me and, and they want their logo in chocolate and we could do it many different ways nice over. Premium. And we're also utilizing printing Mm -hmm. color printing okay. and an insert in a box st stickers if for lack of a better color we, we invested a very high-end color mm -hmm. labor label printer mm -hmm. so we can do favors and things that may not be the chocolate itself may yeah. not be branded but the packaging is branded, it's branded. Uh, you're going to be shipped off to a deserted island you have one kitchen crate. Okay. What's in your crate? My crate. In our I, my crate, because I'm a chocolatier, my crate's going to have a little tempering unit in it and a few other utensils. But I want to make sure I have the ingredients, so that's the most important. If the ingredients don't come, if I'm on a desert island, maybe it grows cacao. So maybe it I'm grows okay. cacao. <laughs> but if it doesn't... If it doesn't, I'm going to be bringing that along with me. Yeah. Okay, good. And what is your one word? My one word, friendly. Friendly. I try to be friendly. Why? Well, because I think that I am and I like people who are friendly, and I think friendly is a good thing to be. And friendly goes a long way. <laughs> and I appreciate your friendship and this experience and you being so open. And I think that for someone who is a uh, culinary professional, mm -hmm. this was a very valuable, entertaining, and, uh, and resourceful class. That's good to know. And as a person who is uh, originally a native of Waterbury, I'm, I'm proud to know that you have this kind of operation. You protected the heritage yeah. and the legacy. Yeah. And staying in Waterbury was a very big deal yeah. here. You know, we moved four or five times. And when we were in that other location before here, um, there were opportunities to leave Waterbury. Mm -hmm. In fact, I still have newspapers, articles. Southington thought we were moving there. Well, I did meet with the economic development people. I did have an offer to lease a space, but, you know, I'm glad we didn't. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> so I'm, I was born and raised in Waterbury. So, okay. yeah, I was born on Crown Street in the north end of Waterbury. <laughs> and <laughs> was there for five years before we moved up to Bucks Hill. And I graduated from Wilby High School. Oh, you do so, true all the way. All the way. All I was, the way. you know, right out of Waterbury schools. Had a lot of friends. 
I moved away to go to engineering school mm -hmm. and never really came back until the mid-90s. I was working for GE at the time and uh, settled in Southington for about a three-year period, during which I met and met my wife, married my wife, and moved her away. Met, mm -hmm. moved, and married. And uh, met, married, and moved her away. And both my kids were born out of state. Mm -hmm. And we didn't get back in town in the local until about 20, 21 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so we've been here. And I, yeah, I am actually very proud to be a Waterbury native and have this business be. We're a small business. Yeah. But I am very gratified when people describe us as an institution. Yeah. Or and all that goes to my in laws. Yeah. I take no credit for it. Yeah. I get a little bit to keep the business going, oh, yeah. and now we're in our third generation. My son is a full-time person here now, yeah. so I'm very confident we've made it to the third generation. What, under your leadership, is the future of Fosh's Chocolate? Uh, getting a little bit bigger so that we're more firmly established. What I mean by that is we, we need to get a little bit bigger so that we have year-round business. Mm -hmm. And the wholesale is where I'm focused on. If I had to make a product for somebody, I would, and that may be something I'm searching for. Right. I wouldn't mind what we'll call, you know, white label or, yeah. or, or, you know, we should be doing the majority of our business out the back door versus the front door. Yeah. And if we are able to do that and utilize downtime, if mm -hmm. you will, then we are a stable business. Mm -hmm. and, and I just want to, right now, uh, before I retire, and I'm not looking to retire. And my father-in-law is 88, and he's here almost every day, and we Boy. love that. My son and my father-in-law, grandson and grandfather, sit right next to each other. That's We've amazing. placed them in the same Wonderful. little cube. That's perfect, and that's lovely. My legacy will be creating it as a real business that has sustainability and processes, and that's where I'm spending all my time, is backroom stuff that's boring to most people, but it's what's going to lock in the quality, lock in the procedures, lock in all of that so that even as, you know, people with the pat, I hope everybody has passion who works here, but even as that, that waters down, yeah, that the quality stays there. Well, there's only one word for me to say, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Thank very you much. Thank you so much. I appreciate, appreciate it. it very much. Before I end this episode, I know you're wondering, did I try the chocolate? And yes, indeed I did. Very good. After I ended my uh, interview with Carmen, I went out into the store, the candy shop, went to the great big chocolate case and uh, just stared everything down. Everything looked great. I did get a pound box of chocolate, which was customized, meaning I got a chance to pick all of the different uh, varieties that I wanted to go into the box. And I left there with chocolate covered cashews. Oh my goodness. Uh, peanut butter cups. So good. Oh God. Toffee. Brittle and uh, chocolate-covered caramels, turtles, chocolate-covered apricots, and just, I mean, the, the, the list goes on and on. But I have to say, uh, the chocolate was really superior, very smooth, 
uh, very buttery in taste, almost had a caramel kind of uh, back, if you will. And uh, just, uh, I can't wait, very luxurious. It definitely does meet the uh, grade of a fine chocolate. And so if you have no idea the difference between chocolate and fine chocolate, you're gonna want to uh, order some, have them ship it out to you. I can't wait until the weather changes uh, here in Texas. I'm back home now and I can order Uh, my next box of chocolate that will arrive uh, and not have to beat this heat. Uh, So, hey, take this time to investigate, go to their website and uh, get your holiday orders ready. Or if you have a business, like they said, like Carmen said, you can uh, look at maybe you want to get send out some some thank you gifts to your employees or whomever, somebody that you love, getting a box of chocolate from Fascia's Chocolates will be a very good decision. Thanks for listening to Freestyle Flavor, a bi-weekly production. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you're alerted to every new uploaded episode. And if you'd like to get in contact with us here at the podcast, we'd love to hear back from you. Send your email to freshandfreestyleflavor at gmail.com. That's going to do it for this episode. In the meantime and in between time, I am Chef Tarsha. It's been a pleasure.